Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Well, hello. How's it going? <laughs> hello. It's going well. How are you doing? Doing all right. Exciting sports weekend in America. Was it ever. I mean, we had some college football back. It wasn't that yeah. great, but we had college football. I mean, yeah. I'm rocking Notre Dame shirt. They didn't play that great, but they won. They so, won. hey, that's always a They're good thing. They're in a conference now. They're in a conference. It only took a global pandemic to get them Could there. Did they beat Duke? Duke, yeah. Yeah. Who's actually better than people think? Yeah. I'll root for Duke in basketball. Yeah, oh, for sure. Coach yeah. K, man. Boom. Coach K. Anyway. Team America. Speaking of America's team. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> people want to toss and throw shade on me, throw shade at me for like the Eagles all the time, which I'll take it. It's fine. Yeah. It's like part I, of being an Eagles fan. Yeah, it's part of being an Eagles fan, but also winning the Super Bowl against the Patriots was part of being an Eagles fan. But anyway, listen, they it's can toss it all they year. want, but what the heck happened to the cowboys sunday night and i kind of grinned the whole time but i was just like they're better than this team what are they doing yeah welcome to like the last 20 years <laughs> of being a cowboy fan <laughs> especially last year but yeah. also all the other years before that like if you all don't win <clears throat> the nfc east like i don't know if you should be allowed to play football again you know what? we're definitely it's making so, the playoffs okay uh, but that's not the, if you don't <laughs> win the <laughs> NFC East. Like, did you watch the Eagles, Redskins, uh, uh, Giants? You mean the Washington football team? Excuse, yes, exactly. <laughs> the Washington so football team somehow has defaulted into first place in the division. Like, I won't even say they've earned it. They've defaulted into first place. I don't it was know. a pretty, pretty dramatic win that they had. Or a pretty dramatic collapse by my team. <laughs> yeah. One way or the other. So yeah, it was Cowboys. fun watching football again, though. It was so good. I didn't watch a ton of it because... What, do you work on Sunday or something? Yeah, football happens on Sunday. I just like I just see it from the pew. Yeah. Because the obligation's been removed. Yeah. So if I show up, I don't have to pay attention as much. So like, if I choose the longer version of the gospel and have the deacon read it for longer, that buys me more time to like sneak <laughs> just, a look at my phone. You just have a feed going have into the wire. your ear. Yeah. That'd be great. But you watched the Cowboys game. Yeah. Unfortunately. Did I? Yeah. I, I watched some of it. Um, Gosh, feel so bad for Blake Jarwin. No, actually, I watched the whole thing. I feel really bad for Blake Jarwin. You had him in I was, fantasy. I had him in fantasy. Not just for that, though. As a, a human, obviously, no, but as you don't a human, it's terrible injured. to you know finally get the starting position, have so much promise coming from the last couple of years, and then almost immediately tear your ACL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then from the sideline, or probably just like in paint. Does it actually hurt when you tear your ACL? Are you kidding me right now? I know that there's a pop sound. Yes, it hurts. I've never done it, but like (laughs) any strain. Have you ever injured your leg before? Not really. Your back? Yeah, that hurt. And there was and that was a muscle. Yeah, that was a pop and a muscle. Are you kidding (laughs) me? No, it was a bone. I broke the. Do you think people are like, oh, this didn't hurt? My whole body just crippled to the field. I'm just saying there are some injuries where you may not feel it right away, but then it. Well, I was thinking ACL was one of them. (laughs) Okay, name another one. 
Let's, let's just like uh, what's I the hope other tendon a medical there? professional like a, is listening right what's, now. What's the other the other your tendon Achilles? On the in, no, on the inside of your knee. The like Like LCL? Yeah, the LCL. Or the MCL? That's the one. Yes. All of them hurt. <laughs> I'm sure that the one that has to do with like your kneecap, what's what's that one? Uh when it that's what KP had. No, um, what Christoph oh, Porzingis had, he tore part of the... The labrum? No, 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 not labrum. The meniscus. The meniscus, yeah. Yeah, I like I know have that a par- that hurts. partially torn meniscus from catching all those years. Yeah, oh it doesn't gosh. feel good Maybe when I you kneel down. Oh my gosh. How would I no. know? <laughs> well, you would be in no pain because that's your logic for <laughs> sports injuries. <laughs> I'm just saying. You, do you think it hurt when Alex Smith broke, broke his leg? Yes, Broken okay. bones hurt. Broken bones hurt. Okay, I just wanted to get that clarification. Anyway, we've lost about <laughs> nine thousand subscribers <laughs> right, right now, so we're gonna get into it. But which is only one percent of our total <laughs> subscribers. That's right. But also so exciting news. Last night I was um I was editing some videos for work and um I was also multitasking. I was watching the stars. Mm. This would be the year that like the Dallas Stars <clears throat> go to the Stanley Cup finals. Mm-hmm. Will probably end up winning it, and no fans, no parade, no like that. That would be the luck of Dallas. One big Zoom party. <laughs> uh, like, what are they gonna? It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be amazing if they win. It'll be amazing if they win, but it wouldn't be the same. I mean, those games were crazy. Every game is like down one zero, down one zero, and then it all of a sudden, like awesome boom, boom, series. Yeah, I mean, I like hockey from a distance. But I always start paying more attention with the playoffs, especially if the stars are right. in there. Last year was kind of heartbreaking. And then this year, just to see them like pull out game after game yeah. and make these defensive stances. Yeah. Uh, like two two games ago with the, the big five on three at the end of the, uh, of the third period and just holding down the fort. Yeah, exactly. Um, and most of those guys, like I just love when they take out their mouthpiece and don't have teeth. Yeah, that's... Yeah. It's like the most like socially acceptable like time not to have teeth. <laughs> As a hockey player, it's a badge of honor, I'm sure. Seriously. So, yeah. well, a lot of fun things, well, more to come. I guess I have to ask though because I know I was depressed all weekend because of my Eagles and because more importantly, my wife beat me in fantasy football in our league and I lost all three leagues and my life is incomplete. <laughs> Uh-huh. And this is our last podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Dude, I ended up winning. Yeah, you know, whatever. Kind of kind of close win. But, but I've kind of kind of created a monster. My superior drafting huh? ability just uh, yeah, whatever. ensured me that victory. Yeah, no, this is the first time I've played fantasy football in years and years. And uh, like since I was in high school. Yeah. And just a week in, it's... You you have created a monster. It's it's threatening to to completely overtake. Yeah, because all of a sudden you're like, oh man, Colts Jaguars. Who cares? Oh wait, I, I know, care right? because I have two players in that game. Exactly. So I'm gonna try to find some TV station that has the Colts Jaguars on it. I'm still frustrated at the Jets. Like I don't care about the New York Jets, <laughs> but I love to watch them fail. But now I have two players on them. Exactly. And so it's super frustrating when they're uh, still failing. It's like, why did I draft anybody on the Jets? Yeah. I know that they're no, that they never deliver. Yeah. Except, yeah. Yeah. So except when Mark Sanchez was their quarterback back in the day, 
Well, but I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, let's talk about God. Good. I guess we've wasted nine minutes of our viewership on sports. So, <laughs> but it is a podcast about faith, sports, and friends. And I wanted to dive in. We've been getting so many just great questions, and a lot of times we look at a question and we say, "Man, that's a little bit more than <laughs> we could just do a whole podcast on that." And mm-hmm. so, oh yeah, for sure. One so question popped up, and I, I just want to read it. Um, one of our listeners writes. Um, Father, you talked about having a honeymoon phase experience with your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. They say, I've never really felt an emotional connection with God. I can look back in my life. I can see God moving. I can reason and understand that there is a God and he's loving and all powerful. But how do I make that emotional connection? Reciting prayers seems empty, reading the Bible and other Catholic books. My mind constantly constantly wanders. No matter what I do, I can never seem to strengthen that personal relationship. Is there something wrong with me? I can feel love and deep emotions for my wife or my family. Why can't I for God? And we just, as a youth minister, as a priest, I mean, I know I get this a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to first off by saying it's tough because, like, yeah, we want that same experience, you know? And some people haven't experienced that honeymoon phase that we talk about or maybe didn't realize it when they were going through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was when you were talking about your vocation story and talked about like just you initially like felt this desire, this pull back to God, mm-hmm. and like you were just kind of like soaking everything in, enthralled, like that honeymoon phase you were talking about. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> you remember this-ish? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just want to get to start off some general thoughts and then... You know, I'll toss in some thoughts as well, but, you know, we know this can be, you know, different for every person. We don't know the exact situation this person is going through or what they've gone through, what they've tried or not tried. So please take all this with a grain of salt, you know, but know that there are some, there's some, you know, seeds of wisdom in this to little nuggets of gold. Uh-huh. Little just pearl of greatest prize tucked away. Pearl of greatest prize. Yeah, you know. Price. Yeah, I know, but I changed it. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Thoughts. Thoughts. Um, first of all, this question is is really um, really phrased well. I think it's a really thoughtful question because this is. I mean, this is something that that I do hear a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, from people but it's not always phrased so thoughtfully um yeah like name the last person who had, no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding. um so normally the way it comes up is people identify faith with emotion and when they don't feel emotion they say i'm struggling with my faith right um and so that's always the first place to start is to make that distinction right faith is not emotion emotion is it's just emotion. Right. Um, Comes and goes. And faith is a gift. It has to do with the will and with us, our choice to believe, inspired by grace. And right. all that. It's not something you can create, but when God gives that gift of making the ascent um, and trusting in him, then, uh, yeah, it's not the same thing as emotion. So so that's that's normally where I would start in explaining this, but... That's already clear in the way that this 
this question is. It's not, you know, I'm struggling with my faith. It's just I've never really felt an emotional connection with God, and that seems like an important part. Mm. Um, so this, so my initial response to this would be, it's good to desire an emotional connection with God. Yes, emotion is not faith. Our faith is not dependent on emotion. Right, but our emotions are a real part of us, and we want them to play along. Um. And we know that from our experience. He references right. family, wife, this kind of things. Like you know that emotion is a part of human life. Yeah. But we also know that our emotions kind of go haywire and do what they want, and it depends on our phase in life and all that. Yeah. So I think it's helpful to look forward, uh, first of all, to like what should it look like in heaven with the resurrection of the body when right. everything is redeemed. We're living right. in the valley of the shadow of death right now. Things aren't as they were created to be so what were they created to be and in heaven the way the way theology describes it right is that all of our all of our rational uh faculties capabilities mm-hmm. and uh the faculties of our will are completely absorbed in god Right. Um, that's what's called the beatific vision. It's seeing God without any mediation face to face in this direct, unmediated way. Right. And our total absorption in that vision, total satisfaction in that right. vision. And with the resurrection of the body, when you put a <laughs> when you put a body on this, and it's not just soul, that includes our our emotions, right. which are a bodily thing. Yep. Right. They're also called our passions. Mm-hmm. Passion has to do with, with being acted upon. Um, if you're watching right now, you're seeing Father Paul just like flex <laughs> his hands like around. Like, ah. yeah. Just starting to set it up. Um, and like the joy in our soul overflows to uh, the body, mm-hmm. including the emotions yep. uh, in heaven. So that's what we're created to be. Now, we're definitely not like that right now. Um, because we're fallen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Adam and, and Eve. Yeah. And because it, like St. Paul in that that incredible line says, you know, there is a war within my members. What he means like that. It, well, actually, right after that, he says, and I do what I do not want to do. Right. So there's something, everything's not in sync like it should be. And we just have to recognize that as a basic fact. Um. And then just the third sort of disclaimer point yeah. <laughs> at the beginning is something that uh, G.K. Chesterton actually said. And it goes back to uh, sort of the fickleness um, of our emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also like this, this tendency to identify faith together with emotions or to make faith dependent on emotion right. is not, it's especially a modern thing of our time, but it goes back, you know, it's a human thing. Yeah. Um, and he said like, you know, my emotions basically do what they want to do. And sometimes it's dependent on what I ate earlier this morning. Right. And, uh, if I'm not, f- <laughs> if I'm not feeling well, cause I ate too much breakfast. Yeah. Like my faith can't possibly de- be dependent on that. Right, and so just with all those little disclaimers to like figure out what is the role of emotion, yeah, then we actually arrive at this question where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, 
now we can see the things I have control of are what I think and how I choose. Yep. Uh, I don't always have control over my emotions, but I do know uh, just based on how we are that the more I develop like a habit of virtue, for instance, choosing the good continually, yeah, uh, the more likely it is for those emotions to fall in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aristotle actually uses a an image for this. And he's talking about the virtue of prudence, but it's the same kind of thing. He talks about emotions as like wild horses mm-hmm. um, that just like gallop around wherever they want um, until they're reined in and uh, sort of like put under the the yoke, I guess, of the will, which is like the charioteer. Yeah. Um, I'm adapting some things from, from what he says, but it's, but it's basically that idea that like, um, if the emotions don't seek out, okay, now now let's get more concrete. Uh, Saint Thomas says this as well. Mm. So Saint Thomas Aquinas. Saint Thomas Aquinas, yeah, yeah, in his Summa Theologica, um, he says that there are two ways that the emotions and the will can interact when we're talking about God mm-hmm. and love of God. Uh, sometimes, if we're lucky, <laughs> the emotions can precede the will. Right. We can basically have the the experience of falling in love, right? right? Of feeling that love. Yeah. And then the will follows so that we make a choice. Right. And that's the normal thing that we know from our families. Right. Um but then he's like, that doesn't always happen because, you know, emotions are crazy. Yeah. And we can't see God in the same way that we can see and interact with our family. Yeah. Um so there's another way, and it's actually a better, more important way, because a more rational way where the emotions follow the will. Instead of the will following the emotions, I fall in love and then the will follows and it's freely chosen afterwards. Right. You flip it and it's, I make this choice to love and to serve God. And I repeat that choice daily, multiple times daily, every time I think of God. Right. And the emotions eventually will follow. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think when, when that yeah. happens, that's God's time. I think what people struggle <laughs> with, though, or what I hear when a teen comes in is they compare it so much to a dating relationship where yeah. would you continue dating the person if you didn't have that initial spark or connection or feel good or, you know, fuzzy? Yeah. Like if somebody was like, well, yeah, I know they're good for me, but I don't really like, yeah. I don't get butterflies. Like mm-hmm. what would I would be like, okay, so I don't think you really like them. Right? Like right. and so I think that's what I hear people struggle with being like, yeah, but in a relationship, all different ones in the world that they've have had experience with, they're like, I've at least felt that once. Mm-hmm. You know? What would you say to somebody like, I I've really never felt that. I know I have told people, I encourage you to pray for that. Mm-hmm. Like not knowing it oh, might yeah. not come yeah, yeah. true. Like I be I'm being completely no, blunt and honest. Is, like this is but like the if that's ideal. a desire. What it looks like, like in heaven. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. Pray for that. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I just want to toss out that little new. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would make two more points there. I think. Um, so the first is that this is kind of like a dating relationship, but it also isn't because right. when you're dating, you're looking like to meet someone among a whole variety of possible uh people that you could marry right (laughs) right 
uh, that's not the way it is with God, right? right? There's one God, <laughs> just just one. Um, idols aren't real. There are no other options, right? And so it's except so, if you like like the sun better than the Holy Spirit or the <laughs> yeah Holy one God. Um, <laughs> I'm just talking about the people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so. Um, and that might sound kind of like harsh and uncaring, but it's like, look, what's the role of emotion in a dating relationship? Yes. It's not the same role right. um, here, especially coming from a question like this, where this person who's written the question, that's why I keep praising this question. It's not a matter of faith, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of like, it feels kind of incomplete and sometimes it's hard. Right. Um, which I am not minimizing at all. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but my response to that, so to finally get down and answer this question yeah. exactly, when God gives it this, I, I I know that the saints have talked about this, and this is true for my own, yeah. for my own life as well. Okay, if emotion doesn't play the same role uh, in like leading us to one spouse instead of a different spouse or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't play that role, what role does it play right. in leading us to deeper faith um for people who have strong conversion experiences like i described it seems often there is sort of this honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. and that honeymoon phase is where god gives us the gift of feeling all of this uh love and gratitude and everything towards him in order to draw us in closer right um and then he takes it away (laughs) So that we don't become attached to the emotion and the gift, but to the giver of the gift. Mm -hmm. Now, my response uh, to this would be, I wonder if your particular experience of never feeling that means that you have never drifted away from him in quite the way that I have Mm. or that somebody else has. That you never needed that that bribe of emotion to draw you deeper into faith and that God instead has like moved further along the path, which the real path, this is Mm -hmm. why I talked about er earlier, um, us living in the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of darkness, our path by faith is a path of darkness. And that's how our faith has increased. That's how all of the, the sort of tension and chaos between our emotions and our will and everything is purified Right. It's by seeking God in the darkness. And if he's never given you that emotional experience and yet you find you find you have this mature faith and this ability to distinguish and all that, um, maybe it's because you haven't needed that. Yeah. Um, and that's something it's kind of the emotional thing uh in this is a little bit more like uh how would Saint Paul put it? Like food for the spiritually immature. Right. right. It's the food that's easier to digest. Right. Now, that's responding to this specific question. There can also be situations where people uh really need to change something in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe they have a habit of of sin which is leading them into a particular desolation yeah. or something like that. Just the way this question was framed, mm-hmm. that that's not my initial thought about this person right. uh, who asked it, but I think that's a, a very real thing. Right. Um, and so, like, for, for those other situations, the response would be, uh, well, you know, ongoing conversion. Yeah. Like, 
you need to cut that thing out of your life. Right. And uh, then maybe um, when you're putting God first in your life, everything will fall into line more behind that. Yeah. Um, so I hope that that's, that that's clear. Like there are two reasons that we could feel desolation. And yeah. one is, one is because of our own sinfulness. Right. Another is because that's kind of the way that God draws us into a more mature faith. Yeah. Um, now, back to what you said, and this is kind of my last point on this. Um, it is a good thing to pray for that, to mm-hmm. say like, you know, Lord, I have been faithful to you my entire life, and I've never had this, I've never felt this gift of like, a felt love, an emotional love of you. Right. And I know that that's sort of a completion right. of the experience of faith. That's not a necessary part of it right now, but that that that's where things are headed. Right. Could you please grant me a taste of that gift? Like, yeah. if, if it be God's, may, maybe he will. And maybe he will. And the saints experience moments of consolation like that all the time, but they were much less frequent um, right. than sort of the dryness right. of faith, which just causes us to seek more and more. Right. Otherwise we'll never, here, here's, I guess the, the actual final thing, but you know, if, sure. if I am sort of, let's say, I, I don't know how to do this except for visually, but, but let's say, let's say I'm at, I'm at a certain point in my faith, right? And, uh, God is giving me tons of emotional consolation. Right. Uh, good feelings. Yeah. What motive do I really have? I mean, I, I respond in love. Sure. Yeah. And in gratitude. But I don't know. What motive do I really have to like take my faith to the next level? Right. It's when he when he takes away that consolation. Right that were put to the test and it's like, okay, now am I going to, to fall away yeah. and say, I can't feel the love of God anymore. So I guess I'm not, you know, maybe right. it's not real. I'm not going to pray anymore. Or am I going to go deeper into the darkness of prayer and seek him because I know that he's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean the story of Job. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, that is a, another level yeah. <laughs> dramatic, but like, I, th- I think about that. <laughs> in Nikki and I's, you know, life and in having a daughter who passed away at a young age, like that moment could have led us one of two ways. And it's not like during that time, like the emotion I felt was for the loss of my child, not like, cause I felt so close to God. Like I saw him work and I entered into that time with the Lord, you know? Um, And so the horses were galloping. Yeah. Like, and so I think that I don't know. I love that word you said about necessary. Like it is not necessary like that you've had this emotional connection. Right. For for salvation, for a relationship with God, like I I just I do think we need to like hit on that in the sense to say like that is not a requirement or a prereq for Yeah. Like your salvation or your relationship with God. I, but I think a lot of people, unfortunately, in the church treat it that way. They say, well, yeah. you've hit this rock bottom part and then you have this like come to Jesus moment and Dude, this and that. And like, it's like, like training wheels. Right. If you can ride the bike without training wheels, you don't need to go back to training yeah, wheels. Yeah, kind of like me. I just dominated. Yeah, right. You um, walked into that perfectly. Come yeah, on. I guess. Um, 
I, I have a, I had an experience when I was younger, complete tangent, where I was riding in a cul-de-sac. I was probably about five years old, still in Houston. And I fell over and got trapped under my training wheels. And Wait, what? And then was like, ah, I can't get up. I just lay there. And it was like that kid's experience of like, oh, I guess I'm not really trapped after all. Right. I can right. just like It's like up. the kids who are like, <laughs> I had this traumatic experience where I was like, drowning in an ocean like i've seen this and then like they play back their childhood video and like they were in like the shallow end where like a wave just hit them for a second you know what i mean yeah yeah i do or like the experience i had the other day where i was riding a bike with francesca (laughs) and she has training wheels and Mm -hmm. one of them went flying off her bike while we're riding but i didn't see it go flying off and she just like ate it and Mm -hmm. she's like dad i can't get steady i'm like come on hurry up let's go like and she's like i can't it won't work and i look back and she's missing a wheel so she was actually right yeah yeah okay i want to clarify two things (laughs) um there is a way in which emotion is like training wheels in growing closer to god right but the thing we started off by saying is that it's also like part of the perfection right that we're that we're promised at the end, even right. if we're not promised that we'll experience it now. Okay. So it is a good thing, and it is a good thing to pray for, and when it happens, it is a great gift of God. Um, it's not just training wheels to draw us in that then God takes away all emotional consolation forever. Right. The other, the other thing I want to say is that there's a difference between this kind of emotional consolation where it's like a honeymoon phase. Like everything seems perfect right. uh, and easy in my relationship with God. Um, there's a difference between that and between like the stability of peace that he gives us. Uh, even if we're not feeling other emotions. Right. Um, like when, when I compare something, compare, you know, this, this emotional feeling to training wheels I'm not saying that once the training wheels are off, you just feel totally desolate in your relationship right. with God forever. It does seem that he gives us a, sort of a quiet peace that like an anchor deep below the surface of the ocean right. uh, remains there as long as we're remaining with him. Right. Um, and that even when things on the surface seem to go crazy, there is that quiet peace. That quiet peace is not going to feel like the honeymoon period of my relationship with God. But it is still a very important thing to to note that like there is that stable peace and yeah. a, a sort of contentment and satisfaction in knowing that uh, even if I don't feel him, he is there and, um, and that he's given me this gift to be able to trust in him yeah. and to abandon, uh, like what's going on that I want to cling to yeah. uh, into his hands and all that. Um, that's that's a type of consolation, but it's not a honeymoon period type of consolation. Yeah. But that's something that we, we certainly should kind of expect in our spiritual life. Yeah. And it's only these saints like Mother Teresa and even St. Therese of Lisieux at the end of her life who experienced this total abandonment by God. Like that's a very mature uh, spiritual yeah. trial right. and it's only because they've grown so much so like if you're like i'm no mother Teresa, 
but I feel utter desolation and abandonment, like that might be a call to like, there's something going on in my life that I need to change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I hope that's clear. Yeah. Uh, clear as the, mud. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, what I heard a few takeaways and we'll start to wrap this up here today is uh, pray just in general, like continue yeah. to turn the Lord, turn into that silence. Second, feel open to pray for that moment. Third is go to confession. That's what I heard over and over, really yeah. the speaking those words to say, if just in the case, like really doing a good examine and say like, where have I failed? What is not like healthy and go run to the Lord, you yeah. know, get that off. And then, you know, it can always help. I, I struggle to give this advice on the last one because I feel it's very hard to find these, but then find some type of spiritual director, mentor, person. Like, I yeah, always feel help. bad saying that because I, I know, I mean, the priests have so much. I mean, I'll just speak from personal experience. I have a very hard time finding a spiritual director because most of the priests are my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, we do podcasts. We don't... Hum- humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. And so... um Soft flex. Soft flex. <laughs> and, right. uh, um, um, so, but yeah. I think that can help for, and that's why I use the word or spiritual mentor, somebody who, you know, maybe is a f- little further along in their faith, who's willing to journey with you and be like, hey, let's talk a little bit more about this. And yeah. So, and to take up a practice of spiritual reading because, like, okay, it may be hard to find someone uh, to guide you. Like, that's definitely a really good thing. Right. But, we do have like a whole tradition of, I don't, I don't know, like people, the people who wrote these these spiritual books yeah. are real people, right? Yeah. And so books are always kind of a conversation with uh, with people in the past. Yeah. And um, like that's not nothing at all. That's actually, for me, that was an extremely important part of uh, of my spiritual growth was was immersing myself in the, in the tradition even before I could find somebody uh to kind of help guide me. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think we've, uh, we've held our listeners hostage long enough today. Oh, huh? Have we? I'm sorry. It's all right. Only th- 35 minutes. <laughs> 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 well, on behalf of, uh, Joey Scansella and father Paul Bechter, we want to say take care and God bless.